Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd and welcome to the new Jesus. Um, let's pick up where we left off. Uh, this is the board from last week. Uh, just very, very quickly. And the reason I'm doing this review, for those of you who are watching every week, I'm sure it's kind of tiresome. Um, but this is a lot of stuff, okay? So um, it took me months to understand, comprehend, and then go through an internal transformation so that I could do my best at least to live this way. Okay, it didn't take me uh, a day or a week or even a month. It took months and months and months of discipling one-on-one uh, one -on -one with my mentor, study and prayer on my own, and then six months of night terrors and night sweats as I was being transformed internally. Okay, um, so... This stuff is not easy necessarily to understand because most of us are so programmed the other way and programmed based on the way nature works, which is stimulus response, reap what you sow, law of attraction, karma, do good, get good, do bad, get bad. All right? That's the way everything else works. So it's natural that we would think that's the way we work. And it is in the flesh. But God, before the foundation of the world, um, had designed a, another way we can live, which is predominantly love, joy, peace, and pain, where we have a guaranteed outcome, uh, we have confidence because we already know who wins, even if we get behind in the game or bad things are going, happening. We're not worried. We know we win in the end. Okay, um, so anyway, uh, that's why I'm reviewing each week. So if you want and, and you've 
you don't need the review, fast forward a couple of minutes, but I don't want people to come and be, whoa, 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 what in the heck is he talking about, all right? Uh, I want him to have a little bit of, conf uh, of um, context um, in what we're doing, okay? Um, so, last week, whether the sin is intentional or unintentional, as long as you are in a state of grace, that sin, scripturally, I believe, is never even counted to you. Okay? So, um, pretty unbelievable. Um, intentional or unintentional. Either one. So, um, the question is, if that's true, then why should we even try to, to do the love-based action? If it's covered either way, then I can have my cake and eat it too, right? Well, I'll address that in a minute. Uh, we, Psalm 32, blessed is the man whose sin is never counted against him. Not counted and then forgiven, never counted against him. Um, John 1, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we are continually, automatically cleansed of all sin. Um, and these things are not the unforgivable sin in Scripture. From what I'm told from scholars and my own research, there's only one unforgivable sin. So if it's not that, it's forgivable. And if it's not that, it, it, it is covered if you are living in a state of grace, which we'll define in a minute. Uh, and if all of this is true, then whatever's happening in your life right now, even as painful as it might be, must be God's will. Don't understand it? Mad about it? I mean, sure, I understand all of that. And I've experienced that and still do. But God says He will, he will make everything work out for good for you, that he will take what Satan meant for harm and turn it to good, okay? Um, the Corinthian church, God said, it's not about what you do or don't do, it's about loving each other. So, be circumcised or don't. Observe the holy days or don't. Eat meat sacrificed to idols or don't. Do whatever you want, but you have to love each other. That is what's critical. That's what's important. Jesus was asked the same question. Is there a most important command? He said, absolutely. Love one another, love God. And if you've done that, Jesus said, you've kept the, uh, the whole law. Against such there is no law. Alright? It's the law of love. Okay? Uh, Romans 1 talks about a person who dies without ever hearing the gospel, hypothetically. And it says they will be judged by how they obeyed the law that is written on their heart, which is their conscience. Okay? So did they live by the love-based law of the conscience or the self-seek-pleasure-and-avoid-pain law of the flesh? All right? Um... 
And then we talked about four things. If you decide, you understand, you've done your search, so you can own it and it not be a uh, something you inherited from your parents or your grandparents which won't stand up when the storms come. If you've done your search, if you've looked up these scriptures, if you prayed and meditated and you feel like, yes, I'm ready to commit, then what do you do? Number one, commit to love, give up the end result. Number two, um, pain and adversity and unhealthy desire are part of the deal, okay? And so when we hit pain and adversity and unhealthy desires, we're to give those to God for His will to be done and wait for Him in order to decide what to do if we don't know which is the love-based path. But those things are not bad. They are God's way of nudging us back onto the high road correct path. All right? If there were no pain or discomfort, we'd probably just keep doing whatever we're doing. Number three, uh, your will be done moment by moment. Dying grace. All right? And that's also the passage pray without ceasing. Okay? Fits hand in glove with your will be done moment by moment life. That's my commitment. The action is praying without ceasing, which to me is like Tevia on Fiddler, the, Fiddler on the Roof. I start a prayer when I get up. I end it when I go to sleep. All during the day, I talk to God as if he were right here because he is. All right? Um, number four, your have-tos are changed into want-tos which is what most people try to do with their willpower their whole life and they can never accomplish because you don't have enough strength because your unconscious mind is a million times more powerful than you and it always leads to the negative which we'll uh, address in a minute. And then 2 Corinthians 12.10 says if you delight in chronic pain weakness, insults, hardship, persecution, then when you're weak, God makes you strong. Okay? When was the last time you were persecuted? Probably unfairly. Okay? Well, were you glad about that? Were you glad for the persecution? I doubt it. I've, I've certainly not been. Well, God says... Start delighting in it. Because in those situations, I will intervene. I will come into you. My strength will come into you. You'll exchange your strength for mine. And then you will be strong enough to do whatever it is you need to do in that particular situation. That's dying grace. Or cleaning the toilet grace. Or taking out the garbage grace. Or being nice to people grace. Or saying you're sorry grace. Or whatever it is that is difficult for you day in, day out. To live on that high road love path. But understand, when you get to that point, it's not you doing it in your willpower. That even sounds exhausting for the next 30 years. It's Him making you strong. It's not something you do or you do to yourself like an accomplishment. It is done to you, in you, and through you 
by someone else being God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And maybe the angels have some part in that as well. I don't know. But anyway, uh, so when I'm weak, then I'm strong. All right. So either intentional or unintentional sin, as long as we're in a state of grace, um, and whether we choose right or wrong, we're covered by grace. If we're in a state of grace. Okay, now, this week, that was a review. This week, again, it all comes down to what you believe, and there's a belief in love, and there is another belief that is a fear of death. Okay? Martin Luther King said you can never truly live until you conquer fear of death and love of money. And I would say fear of death is involved with love of money. Also, uh, desired pleasure is involved with, um, with that. All right? So, belief in love, fear of death, and love of money. All right? You may be here, you may be here, you may be here. We want to get you to, on a minus 10 to plus 10 scale, plus 7 and above on love, uh, on belief in love, and stay at plus 7 and above. And if you ever get there, you will not have words to describe your life. Okay? Uh, just trust me, you will not have, words will not do an adequate job to describe your life and how good it is if, if and when you get to that point. Plus seven and above, uh, belief in love and right standing with God through Jesus. All right. Okay, so here's the question. If, whether the sin is intentional or unintentional, it's covered and I'm forgiven or it's never even written under my name, then why in the world should I be concerned about not sinning? Okay? Um, well, let me read you the text on that one because I think this is really important. And I almost never do this, uh, read a lot, but this one's so critical that I need to. Okay, so here we go. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live it any longer? Or don't you know that all who were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life starting today, starting tomorrow, at any time. If we will repent, confess, commit to God that we may have a new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self our old self, that's the flesh, seek pleasure, avoid pain, was crucified with him 
so that the body of sin, which is my fleshly body, may be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. You ever felt that way, man? I felt that way 10,000 times in my life when I was determined I was not going to lust again, and then I did. When I was determined I was not going to lie again, and then I did. When I was determined I was not going to be unkind to people. When I was determined that I was going to uh, go help this person that needed help. On and on and on and on and on. And it's like something grabs hold of me, pulls me under the water or into a grave or whatever. And it's like I'm right back there doing what I don't want to do and not doing what I do want to do. That sounds like a slave, right? Well, it's exactly what it said. Um, anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. That means your sin too. But the life he lives, he lives in God. Almost done. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin. Now that's an interesting phraseology, okay? Count yourself dead to sin. Doesn't, it doesn't say you will feel dead to sin. Or you will think dead to sin. It says, count yourself dead to sin. That's the same word used in Galatians 1, where it says, count it as joy when all these bad things happen to you because you know that over time they're going to result in your maturity and the best version of yourself. The exact same word. So, we're to count it as joy when painful things happen. He knows we won't necessarily feel or think joy, I mean, that's almost impossible in some situations. But he says, count it as joy. Count it that you are dead to sin, even if you don't feel it. You, you may feel it later, and I believe you will. Okay, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, you are under grace. Wow! Okay. Then, what shall we say then? Because we are not under law, but grace, by no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that Though you used to be slaves again, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you are now entrusted. What was the form of teaching? Grace, as opposed to law. Okay? 
you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms. Because you are weak in your natural selves, just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit do you reap at that time from the things you're now ashamed of? And the answer is none. You got no benefit from that stuff. Unless you let God, Genesis 50, turn it into good, what Satan had meant for harm. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and results in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's Romans 6. Okay, so should we intentionally sin more? Because whether it's intentional or unintentional, it's forgiven. So why not have my cake and eat it too? And Paul says, by no means should you sin more intentionally. That is a misunderstanding and a wrong belief of what grace is. Okay? And grace... Well, let's, let's define grace. Uh, state of grace, the definition. A condition free from sin. Okay. So how do you accomplish that? It's very simple. I think many of you have probably seen it many, many times on television or at church or at a meeting or, or something. I think there's um, two parts. One is a profession of what you believe. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he asked Martha twice, you will see the glory of God this day if you believe. Do you believe? Okay, so the first part, as far as how do I get into a state of grace if I'm not now, is, Father, I am so sorry for my sins. I ask that you please forgive me in Jesus' name. Jesus, I ask that you come into my heart and be, and I profess you as my Lord and Savior. Period. Okay? That's the first part. I believe the second part is committing to that for life and the action step of being committed to the high road, to a belief in love, and the present moment in love, giving up the end result to God, whatever comes. All right? And I'm doing that all in, nothing held back, no plan B, no safety net, forever, no matter what. I'm fully committed. So, Let's say you have just committed a sin, an intentional sin, okay? Are you 
lost now because of that sin? Or are you still saved? Well, to me, um, it's, there's two questions. Can you still say and mean it with your heart and mind, Jesus is my Lord and Savior? That's number one. Can you say, I'm still committed to God and His will for my life long term? Okay, I believe if you can truthfully, from your heart and mind, say those two things, you are in a state of grace. And it is very possible to be in a state of grace before you intentionally sin, while you intentionally sin, and after you intentionally sin. I believe, according to Scripture. Okay, my father lived to be 78. Lived a pretty good life, um, but one of the most tragic things to me is that uh, the last couple of years of his life, he was sick with uh, uh, cardiovascular issues, among some other things. And there came a time as my dad got closer to death that he became absolutely terrified to the point of sometimes being scared to go to sleep, afraid that this will be it and he wouldn't wake up and he would be dead. Well, was he scared of death? Is that what he was scared of? No. He was scared of hell. All right? He wasn't afraid to die. I think he was ready to die. But my father's belief, which I believe was still an old law belief that does not include a state of grace, okay? He believed, my father, that if he had one stray sinful thought, even if he didn't act on it, and died before he was able to really quickly say, Father, please forgive me for that sin. If, if he died that quick and didn't have, you know, three seconds to repent and confess of that sin, he believed he would go to hell. So he believed there was a situation at the end of his life that he could have no control over that would damn him to hell even though he would, he would say with his hand on the Bible, Jesus is my Lord and Savior and I'm committed long-term, even though I'll mess it up a lot, to His will for my life, whatever that is. All right? He would have said that. He did say that. All right? But he believed if he had that one stray thing that to me maybe not, may not even be a sin at all, a thought that he hadn't even had a chance to act on yet. All right? Well, I believe he was absolutely wrong. I believe uh, that sin would be that he was in a state of grace because of what he believed and it's all about what you believe and that if he did have that stray thought, it wasn't even written under his name as we're talking about because he was in a state of grace, he was forgiven. And that is true of you as well. Okay, so by no means, if that's what you're doing, 
You don't understand grace and the price that God paid for it, which was enormous love for you that allowed him to go through the most God, the most painful thing he could ever go through, watching his son tortured and mistreated and killed, and Jesus to go through maybe the most painful thing he could go through. All right? I mean, I wouldn't do that lightly, would you? And I don't believe God did it lightly. Why did he do it? Because he loves you and wants to be in loving relationship with you, and then out of that, bless you in every way you can be blessed, and eventually to spend a hundred million billion years in Shangri-La, and you will have just been getting started. Okay? That's what he wants and has paid for and prepared before you were ever born for you. All right. 1 Peter 5.8 says that Satan is roaming around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So, stay in balance. What does stay in balance mean? Physical, mental, spiritual. Okay? Uh, drinking water, trying to live healthy, appreciating this body that God gave me, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and treating it as best I can. Mentally, think about these things. What is true, lovely, excellent, worthy of praise. Spiritually, where's my heart? Let me constantly be cleaning it out, filling it up with good things, getting rid of those negative lies and fears that I have inside me. Okay? Um, I believe in, oh, about 35 years I've been working with people, that about 90% of people, the purpose of their life, at least the way they're living it, is money and a fear of something bad happening and sex and relationships. I think that is the purpose of about nine people out of ten. How does that fit you? That the things you're most concerned about, the things you give the most time, okay, the place your heart is, the place your mind is, money and what money will buy and what money will protect you from, we think, what money will prevent, the fear of something bad which plays directly into money, buying buying the bad thing not happening. I'm going to purchase not having that bad thing in my life. I'm going to purchase having that thing that, that I think is good in my life. Free time, a big house, a boat, jewelry, whatever it is. Sex for men and women. It's a natural desire, one of the strongest we have. Uh, the most powerful experience, physically based, I believe, we can have on pleasant on present on planet Earth, is an orgasm. It's the most powerful experience we can have. Well, guess what? There's a reason for that, and there's a healthy way for that to be expressed, and an unhealthy way. We're supposed to choose the healthy way. Does God know that we'll mess up 
and probably do the unhealthy one too? Yeah, of course he does. Jesus wouldn't have died if I could do it myself. Okay, and then the last one is relationships, and that doesn't necessarily mean a love relationship. It can, but to me, if this is your purpose, if your purpose is primarily money, fear of bad stuff, and sex, then the relationship stuff is going to be, yeah, I'll be kind to you, I'll do things for you, we'll have this arrangement as long as you don't start messing up my purpose, as long as you don't start messing up my money, as long as you don't start causing bad things to happen to me that I don't want to happen to me, which, by the way, you might be able to directly affect because sex, real sex, takes two people, all right? Um, but this relationship with this purpose is typically for me. For me to get what I want, stay away from what I don't want, as long as you help me with that or don't hurt me in that, then yeah, I'll be kind and speak nice and we'll go to uh, do roller coasters and movies and out to eat and all kinds of stuff and I'll, be, I'll seem like a terrific guy as long as I'm getting my way. But when I start not getting my way in the relationship, all bets are off. How do I know if I'm treating relationships that way? If I experience something in the anger family when something happens in a relationship that I didn't want to happen. Anger, irritation, frustration, resentment, bitterness, overwhelmed. If you experience any of those, then chances are you're on this purpose line and focused on money, fear of bad things, sex, and relationships that benefit you and don't mess you up in your own thinking and feeling, which is largely seek pleasure and avoid pain. All right. Um, John 12, 25 is a fascinating passage. Those who love their life will lose it on this earth. Those who love their life on this earth will lose it. And those who hate their life will have it saved eternally. Well, what in the world is that talking about? Loving your life means your focus is on seek pleasure and avoid pain. Okay? Why? Because nobody loves lots of pain. You can count it as joy, maybe, but you don't love it. You don't even like it. Alright? So, on the other hand, if you hate your life, this isn't my real life. My real life is yet to come. It's what C.S. Lewis says. Until death, the real thing hadn't even started. This is just all preliminaries. Okay? So, in a way, you might not ever say it this way, I hate my life, but that's kind of what it means. If I'm like, man, this life sure is painful, I would just as soon get on to the real thing, where there's no tears, no sorrow, no night, um, everything's wonderful, no pain, okay? So, which of those are you? You love your life, or are you saying, okay, 
this life, yeah, I'll have some love, joy, and peace, but I'm also going to have, all through my life, pain and things I didn't want and not getting things I did want. And, you know, if I had my way, I would rather get what I want. I would rather not have the pain. I believe that's what hating your life here kind of encompasses. And, and if that's where you are, your life will be saved eternally. Um, your new intention, rather than loving your life and trying to get more of what you want and less of what you don't want, your new intention, think about these things. Philippians. What is true, lovely, excellent, worthy of praise. And what does it say? And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And that was one of our diagnostics, one of our 11 diagnostics on our minus 10 to plus 10 line that represents our internal heart and mind was peace. Peace is a compass on your dashboard that kind of shows you where you are. Well, God says your new intention, if you want to live this life in a state of grace, is think about these things. Not the toys you want, the pleasure you want, the negative stuff you're trying to keep back. No, don't think about that. That's all fear-based stuff. Think about that. Um, an important point here, your unconscious naturally leans to the negative. Okay? All the time. It naturally leans to the negative. Alright? Um, why? It's tied to our survival instinct. Okay? It leans to the negative unless you get to a point where you choose God and Jesus. I commit to you Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I commit to your plan for my life long term. Um, no matter what that is, whether it brings pain or pleasure, and I'm all in forever, no matter what. Your unconscious leans to the negative unless you choose love like that and really mean it from your heart. Okay? Um, and if you do that, then that has a direct effect on your purpose. And your purpose will then change from money, fear, bad stuff, sex, and relationships to benefit you, it will naturally change to, Father, your will be done. Your will be done moment by moment and pray without ceasing and enjoying adversity. And when it hits, I turn to you. I give it to you. Father, I'd be delighted to obey you in this. And I ask that the life of Jesus become forefront in my life and he lead and guide me. And the, and the life of Jesus manifest in my physical body. And then, whatever I do, not sin or sin, intentionally sin or unintentionally sin, doesn't matter. I'm in a state of grace. As long as I'm in a state of grace. I'm committed. I can say, honestly, from the heart, 
Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Okay? All right. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.17 In Christ, the old has gone, and we are a new creation. Okay? Once you're committed, once you're right with God, once you're, you believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and you're committed to God's plan for your life, in Christ, the old has gone, and you are a new creation, and you are the righteousness of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. You are, you have, the righteousness of Christ. What does that mean, righteousness? It means you are, God hits his gavel and says you are right. Right about what? Right about, right about sin. Whether you did the right thing, whether you intentionally sin, or whether you unintentionally sin, no matter which of those, as long as you are still committed, you still believe Jesus is the Son of God, you still believe and profess Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you're still committed to His plan for your life, as long as that is all the case, you are the righteousness of God. You have the righteousness of God through Jesus. So God says, no matter whether you got it right or wrong, God says, you're right. So, he turns it to good if it's negative. Genesis 50. Okay? Your sin is never counted against you. It is not you that did it. Romans 7, in God's eyes, through his miracle plan of love, which is grace. All right. So, number one, repent, which means I'm going to do my best not to do it again. Why? Because uh, Paul said on the deal of it doesn't matter if it's intentional or unintentional, you're still covered because you're in a state of grace. So they say, well, should we sin all the more? All right. No. Because you've got to understand what grace is. And grace is Him paying my price. It is the ultimate act of love. And if I really truly understand that, it changes my heart. It moves me and it changes my have-tos into want-tos. And all of a sudden I'm not having to force myself to be kind. I am kind. I'm not having to force myself to tell the truth. I want to tell the truth. I don't have to force myself to um, not commit sexual sins, whether in person or on the internet or anything else. I don't want to do it anymore. And he gives me dying grace at dying time, the strength to not do it. Will I ever do it? Perfectly? No, never, 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 ever. No one will ever do that. All right? So you're covered by grace. 
as if you've never committed a sin in your life, completely innocent, like a two-year-old little kid. All right? But that love now that you have in you and the righteousness of Christ, now the deal is to share it with other people and help other people. Not just, woohoo, I'm going to have a fun life now. Well, you will have a lot better life, but now you have a new job. Share the news. Help others. Love others. Which others? Everyone. Love your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you, etc. Okay, so repent. Confess. When you repent and confess, every, um, every memory, remember your beliefs come from memories. And you can have competing memories, some that are love-based, some that are fear-based, about the same thing. All right? Well, how do those memories live in you? Do they live in you uh, as flesh and blood and bone and tissue? No, they've cut out every part of the brain and the memories are still there. That's why they started calling them cellular memories. They're in every cell in the energy of that cell. All right? And energy is represented as a frequency, a color, and a wavelength. It's called a sine wave. Okay? And uh, let me demonstrate this really quick. Make sure you guys can see this. You can see the top of it. Okay, so here's a sine wave. Now, this sine wave has a frequency in hertz. It has a color in the color spectrum, and it has a wavelength, all right? And scientists can identify things. Oh, that's a rock. Oh, that's a, a rose petal. Oh, that's a acorn. Oh, that's a fish, okay? But let's say that this sine wave is the sine wave for anger, all right? Well, in physics, what in the world can you do to change that anger, to change this wave inside you? Well, glad you asked. You hit it with another sine wave, and I don't think I did that right. <laughs> you hit it with another sine wave, one that's predominantly the equal opposite wave of that wave. And when you do that correctly, what you end up with, boy, that didn't erase good at all, does it? I'll fix that later. Anyway, what you end up with is a new wave And this one, if you, if you did it right, if you hit the anger with the equal opposite, which is probably something like patience, okay, you come up with a new wave. 
And this new wave is not anger anymore. All right? Well, how in the world can you do that? Is that a machine or? No, it's not a machine. It's this. It's this. You repent and confess and commit back to God. Okay? Well, the repenting is I'm going to do my best not to do that again. The confession is I chose fear and sin and pleasure and pain over love and I'm sorry. Okay? Well, when I say that out loud, and that can be a whisper, Mike can even say it in your mind, but when you do that, that repentance and confession goes and finds that anger wave wherever it is in the body, in, in whatever cells, and it hits it with that energy and changes it to a new wave internally that is no longer anger. Now, does that happen the first time? As soon as I repent and confess? Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Alright? So, as you need to, continue to talk to God without ceasing. Your will be done. Uh, Father, I repented and confessed with a pure heart, but I don't feel it. Can you help me feel it? Or do I just keep talking to God, keep focusing on what is true, lovely, excellent, worthy of praise, etc. All right? And in time, and it may be the first day, it may be months or years later, and, and recommit to God, to His plan, to Jesus as Lord and Savior, and a new sine wave will be created inside you that is not sin and fear-based. It is love and grace-based. And that will turn your have-tos into want-tos automatically without you changing a thing like we discussed last week. Okay? Now, how can God do that? How can God, or why can He do it? Why does He do it? That He forgives you, that he doesn't even count it under your name. Blessed is the man whose sin is never counted against him. It was not you that did it, says Paul in Romans 7. He takes what Satan meant for harm. Why? Why? Because God, if you remember, God is not bound by time. Alright? So, as soon as you commit the sin, God already knows your heart. He knows if you're sorry for it before you ever even have a second to say I'm sorry. Like, you know, my dad's fear. I, I believe even if that happened to my dad, that he's in heaven today, happy as a lark. Why? Because God knew his heart. God knew his heart. And, this, and God says that's what he judges, that's what he wants, that's what he looks at. Alright? So, God is not bound by time, so he looks at your heart. Do you really believe Jesus is the Son of God? Do you really mean that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? And are you really committed to his will for your life long term? Okay? And if you are, he knows your heart. He is not bound by time, so he can forgive that 
before it's ever even counted under your name. And I believe is exactly what he does, as long as you are living in a state of grace. Okay. Um, the litmus test as to where you are are those things. Are you committed to God's plan for your life, even if it means more pain and less pleasure, long term, even if you mess up 20,000 times and 10 times a day, okay? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and do you profess Him as your Lord and Savior? That's the litmus test to see where you are. If you can honestly, from your heart, say it and mean it, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, then you are in a state of grace, I believe scripturally, and the sin is not even counted against you. Okay? Um, so, last week we talked about Todd's story, who became a street preacher and loved talking to the prostitutes, would start with them, did you know that there won't be anyone in hell because of sin? And then the end of it, them believing him and deciding that they want to change their life, but some of them saying to him, but wait a minute, do I have to start being, stop being a prostitute right now because that's the only way I know how to support my child until I can get transitioned? And Todd's answer was no, you do not have to quit being a prostitute right now. You can take care of your son. Well, how, how's that possible? How could God forgive them if they're intentionally going to do prostitution again and maybe again and again and again and again? How's that possible? How does that make any sense at all? Because it doesn't matter if it's intentional or not. It doesn't matter if it's intentional or not. Okay? All that matters is, is can they say and mean it with all their heart and mind, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I believe he's the Son of God, and I'm committed to God's plan for my life long term. Okay? God knows their heart. He knows, well, they're planning to stop this as soon as they can. Uh, they're really doing this out of love for their child. That's the main impetus. Now, if the prostitute said, oh, okay, cool. Well, I'll just accept God and for the rest of my life continue to be a prostitute because it's really good money and I kind of enjoy the sex. No, 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 no. That's, that's, that's back up to where... My board's going crazy here. That goes back to... Um, wait a minute, maybe it's this one. Yeah, yeah. So, if grace forgives intentional and non-intentional, unintentional, why in the world would we not just continue to do the sin, have our cake and eat it too? No, 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 no. That's not the way it works. God knows your heart. Okay? So, you can't continue in the same sin long-term if God really has your heart. Now, now, 
accidents, mess ups, yeah, yeah, for sure. That, that's covered. But if you intentionally say, okay, yeah, I'm, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is my Lord and Savior, but I'm not committed to God's plan for my life long term. I'm going to keep doing this because it makes me a lot of money. And ex No, 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 no. That's, that's not the way it works. You don't, in that case, you misunderstand grace. And if you misunderstand, that means you've got a wrong belief. And the whole deal we've been talking about for weeks and months is it all comes down to your belief, right? So if you have the intent to keep sinning in this one particular way or two or three, whatever, have your cake and eat it too, you have a wrong belief about God, you, grace, and what all of this cost God and Jesus for your good, all right? And I believe in that situation, you may not be in a state of grace. If your intention long-term is my plan for my life, not God's, and, and yeah, I know or believe this is a sin, but I'm going to keep doing it. I believe you have walked away. So, that's how God can forgive. Even if they're still practicing a sin now, their intention is to get out of that. They're doing it in love, not in anger or fear. And as soon as they get to a place where they can stop, they do. Now, if they change their mind down the road and decide to keep doing it, that's another issue, all right? That means they still misunderstand and they have a wrong belief and maybe that wrong belief takes them out of grace. But I, I, I do believe that's kind of an individual thing. Okay. Um, and then 2 Corinthians 4.10, remember, even if I choose wrong, he makes it as if I chose right. Okay? So, um, whether the sin is intentional or not, as long as I'm right with God through Jesus, I'm covered. I repent and confess, and it creates an energy thing in me that can literally change the anger to patience, or the sadness to joy, or the love of God in me does that. But, but, when we are in grace, we also are and have the righteousness of God through Jesus, which means God hits the gavel and says, Alex is right, and that's even if I'm wrong. As long as the intent of my heart is for what he wants and believe in Jesus, Jesus Lord and Savior, etc. Okay. Um,
And we talked last week, can your best life include chronic pain? I told you the story of uh, Ricky Slaughter. I believe it absolutely can. Um, when we mess up, you do need to say, I'm sorry. That saying you're sorry is repenting and confessing is what changes the energy in your heart and mind. Okay, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind and heart in Christ Jesus. Okay, How does that happen? Think about these things. Focus on these things. Talk to God about these things. And the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Okay. Um, last point. After the litmus test, remember the litmus test is, can I say and mean it with my heart and mind, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Okay? I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I am committed to God's plan for my life, his plan of love, regardless if it means more pain to me or not, more pleasure or not. I'm all in forever, no matter what. Okay? So that's the litmus test. If I can do the litmus test, I should be in a state of grace. All right? So when I hit adversity and pain, I need to turn to God, like we talked about a couple of sessions ago, 2 Corinthians 4.10. God, let me give this to you. Let me give this pain, this adversity, this unhealthy desire for pleasure to you. I would be delighted to obey you in this. Jesus, please come to the forefront of my life and manifest in my physical body and maybe even change my physical body's desires for that thing. Then I recommend waiting 15 minutes for God to do something if he chooses. Okay? And he and he doesn't always, all right? But I'd give God at least 15 minutes to work and I would continue to say those things. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I'm committed to your plan of love for my life long term, regardless of whether it's really what I think I want or not. Continue those things for those 15 minutes. And what I believe is after that 15 minutes, regardless of, what you, of whether what you do is a sin or whether what you do was God's will for you in that, thing, whatever it was, whichever, God makes it as if you made the right choice. And the sin is never written under your name. You have the righteousness of Christ. Pound the gavel. Alex is right in that situation because Jesus paid for that. So Alex has Jesus's rightness, righteousness for this action, even though he chose the wrong one, which was a sin, but that sin was already paid for by Jesus. So 
Alex doesn't get the sin, he gets the righteousness of Jesus because I'm in a state of grace. And to God, Romans 7, it was not me that did it, so it's not counted against me. Psalm 32, 1, never count, blessed is the man whose sin is never counted against him. Genesis 50, Genesis 50, God will turn what Satan means for harm into good. Okay? Okay. Um, and then the last one. We all want to be strong, but God says when you're weak, then you're strong. Okay? So, God says count it as, you know, when you go through... <laughs> have a love-hate relationship with this board. So, when I have um, weakness, insults, hardship, persecution, delight in those things, count it as delight when these things happen, and if I do that and give it to God in the moment, turn to Him, God, please take this, he gives me the strength to go through whatever it is and even be the better for the negative thing happening. Okay. Um, one more thing, and I'm sorry this has gone so long. I apologize. Uh, by the way, I don't have this planned out when I start talking. Okay, I've got some ideas, but what I pray all week long is that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide me on the spot if I need to change that or something needs to be added or taken away. And I'm not saying I'm doing that right. I'm sure I'm doing it wrong, but I'm trying. Okay, but that's one reason these are long is I'm trying to not leave anything out and I'm trying to come at the same principles from some different angles because I know from experience that different personalities, different learning styles understand coming from different angles. So I, I can say um, something to a client of mine three, in th three times in three different ways and they still don't get it. And then I say it a fourth way and it's, oh, oh yeah, wow. Yeah, I see that. Well, how come they didn't get it the first three times? It just wasn't their learning style. It wasn't their, didn't resonate with them. All right? So, anyway, I'm sorry about that. Makes it longer, but this is too important in, in your life and mine to try to not do it right and with all the information. So, one more thing. One more thing that I think the Spirit just gave me, maybe. Um, when we're in a state of pain, which is uh, physical pain, emotional pain, uh, a desire for, uh, uh, for unhealthy pleasures, um, adversity, 
that same thing, people persecuting me, making fun of me, cheating me, lying to me, whatever, any of that. When I'm in pain, all of that would be pain. God built a mechanism into me to make that okay. It's called psychological adaptation. And it's miraculous. It's unbelievable. Uh, to give you an idea, they did a study on it. And, and this is an actual mechanism in your brain and nervous system. They took two groups. They took a, a group of brand new lottery winners who had just become overnight millionaires and a group of brand new paraplegics who had just been in a horrible accident and had become um, paralyzed for life. And they gave them all sorts of psychological, emotional, physical tests okay, at the start of the study. And then for six months, they don't do anything. There's no intervention at all. All right, for either group. At the end of six months, they give them all the same test again, and the results were unbelievable. At, at the beginning, the lottery winners scored way up here, very, very positive. The paraplegics under the floor, horrible, some of them suicidal, whatever. Six months later, the same test, there's no difference in the two groups. The paraplegics were just as happy with their life, just as positive about their future, just as content as the lottery winners. How is that possible? How is that even possible? It's not in the natural. It's a supernatural, miraculous mechanism that God built into us to make us okay in virtually any and every situation we could ever experience. So how come it's not working in me? How come mine minus 10 to plus 10 is still over here somewhere? No matter how much I pray or how hard I try. Well, that's the sins of the fathers. I mean, that's a big part of it, okay? Um, you've inherited junk. You've inherited fear. You've inherited anger. You've inherited low self-worth from your ancestors going back hundreds of years sometimes. All right? So each generation has all its negative stuff happen and then it passes it on to the next generation. The next generation adds all their negative stuff to the previous negative stuff that they inherited, and then they pass both of those on to the next generation. And over millennia, over thousands of years, we've had a devolution in the energy of our hearts and minds. If you want to think of it in the positive to negative ratio of our hearts and minds, we've had a devolution. So maybe instead of being born more like at zero or minus one or something, a lot of us are born into situations where we're minus seven, minus eight, minus nine because of this sense of the fathers, because of um, our environment in those early years of life. Uh, we're told a child needs a 10 to 1 positive ratio to be okay as an adult, and the research says most kids get a 10 to 1 negative ratio, which means they get to be adults and they're messed up. They, uh, and they don't know how to get unmessed, if you will. Okay? Um, 
So anyway, um, the sins of the fathers and that 10 to 1 negative ratio get us to a place that is too negative for psychological adaptation to overcome. It just can't do it. It was never intended to, we were never intended to be that negative. All right? So what do we do then if psychological adaptation is not able to do what God intended it to do? We pray without ceasing. Your will be done moment by moment. Maybe God will just touch me and heal it and change me from minus seven to minus one or two or maybe even to the positive, and that's my favorite way for it to happen, and I always pray for that. But if God doesn't do that, then I work on it. We do the belief profiling, pray and meditate over that, use the hands-on tool intervention we talked about until those beliefs shift to, my guess, is about a negative three where psychological adaptation can grab it and take it over here automatically. And all of a sudden I feel it. I feel it like a whoosh. And all of a sudden I'm lighter and my thoughts and emotions have changed more positively. And Well, God built that in. That's supposed to happen. But I was so in negative energy that the mechanism couldn't overcome that. So I you know, kind of like dipping water out of a sinking boat. I dip out that negative energy a little bit a day as, you know, we're doing. We're talking about how to do that. And then psychological adaptation kicks in and now I'm much, much better at living that love path than I ever could before because I just had too much negative junk in me. All right? Okay. So, stop focusing on sin. No one will be in hell because of sin. Sin's been paid for for everyone everywhere. And if you are in a state of grace, sin is not an issue to you except to know that that's something God does not will for me and what he does will is what is lovely, excellent, worthy of praise, beautiful, etc. And now, because I got my energy moved over a little bit, I'm able to focus on those things and think about them where maybe I wasn't before. I just had too much junk. Okay, so stop focusing on the sin that's been dealt with. It's done. The old man has passed away. I make, behold, I make all things new. The old man has been crucified with Jesus. The new man is no longer a slave to sin and the law. You are free. It is for freedom's sake that Christ has set you free. How then? Could you go back under a yoke of bondage? Which is what Paul said to the Galatians. Who has bewitched you into believing another gospel? What was the other gospel? It was works. I've got to do it right. And if I don't, I'm toast. Paul said, who's bewitched you into this other gospel? Going back into law. 
all right? It's not about sin anymore. It's about love, Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, the present moment in love, your will be done moment by moment. Pray without ceasing. Living in a state of grace and knowing that I'm in a state of grace. So that means I'm always in a state of also gratitude. Be thankful in all things. Why? Because all things work together for good for you. The guaranteed outcome. Okay, that's it for this week. I uh, hope that um, gets you stirred up a little. Let me hear from you. And, um, you know, I keep saying these should get shorter, and they're not. I still believe they'll get shorter, and I apologize for them being long. But again, I, I don't want to miss anything. Um, and I'm sure I am missing things, but I don't want to. I'm trying not to. So, um, uh, I ask for your grace about the time. Have a wonderful, blessed day.